Welcome to the Making Jobs Podcast, where we talk about car repair, business ownership, and everything in between. I'm your host, Matt Hernandez, founder and owner of Matt's Mobile Mechanics. And I'm your co-host, Tyler Schultz, with Witness Security. So without further ado, let's get the show on the road. So have you ever heard of Hawkrop University? No, I haven't, but welcome back, job makers. What's this? What's this university now? <laughs> Hog trough university. Hog trough university. Like a like a like a like a feeding trough. Trow. Uh-huh. Exactly. Huh. So, like, uh, for example, you have the uh, what do they call that? Uh, uh, the son that. Left his father in, in the Bible? Yeah. What yeah. They, prodigal what, son. Prodigal son. Yeah. Okay. He came to the realization while he was eating from the hog trough. Yeah. That he could go home and life would be better if he, I mean, he wouldn't be in the situation he was in if he would just go home and work for his dad. Yeah. And it, you know, the principle there. Was his dad taught him, you know, how to work, and like the fellow I was trying to teach last night, uh, when you're doing when you're doing a job, you need start a project or whatever because unfortunately every time you do a project, you're going to come to a time that that project you just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So how what do you do to try to make sure that you fulfill that project? You do the hardest things first, mm-hmm. and then you do the easiest. That's always been like what I, you know, whenever I, when I, whenever I tackle a project of any kind, the idea is, you know, I do the hard work first, because by if, the, if possible, yeah. Well, you know. depending on where you're at in that project, yeah. Now, if uh, you're in that project and that whatever that project is, at stage it is. You do the hardest portion of that first. Yeah. Because by the time you get done with uh, that, or even the easiest par- portion, if you do the easiest portion first, and then you just get to the point where you don't want to do it anymore, well, now you've yeah. you're got this unsurmountable task. It's going to be harder than what it was, and now you don't want to do it. Yeah. So do the hardest part portion of it first so you can look back and say, see what I've already gotten done? Yeah. That was the hardest portion of it. Uh-huh. Now the rest of it's easy. That's Hog Trough University. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Sure. I mean... I came across that last night. I'm not like it's a big deal or anything. Yeah. I mean, it's a principle that, you know, I've just done because I found that personally it just makes the most sense to me. Um and, and I, I don't even know if I was, like, traditionally taught that type of work ethic as much as it was just taught, you know, you do things, you get them done, you see them through. And, you know, as I've, you know, I've been working, and I think part of it is, is that, you know, I've been working since I was 14, you know. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, that's a principle that's lost a lot on, in today's world, yeah, and it's not. It's partially the fault of of uh, of society to a degree. It makes it a little. They make it a little bit difficult. Like you can't. Uh, technically, I should not have been working the job I worked when I was fourteen. Yeah. 
Um, There's child labor laws that prevent that. And, you know, they had good intentions when they came up with these child labor laws, but I I wasn't supposed to be working a construction job um, at the age of 14. Um, I mean, you you can't even work at, like, a restaurant as a server at the age of 14. They can't hire you. You got to be, I think you got to be, like, when I was, you know, growing up, I think it was, like, 15 and there was only certain jobs you could do. Like you could be, you couldn't be a server, but you could be like a host yeah. or a hostess or something like that. In Montana, where I grew up, uh, <laughs> you want to pick up that mic just a touch. Pick There's, it up. Yeah, just it's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. that. Oh yeah. That's oh, better. there we go. There we go. Um, in Montana, you could get your driver's license at 15. Yes. And you could also. You could work in like a restaurant uh-huh. uh, if you wanted to, but really the only job you could get was a busboy or yeah a dishwasher. Yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of the case when I was growing up. Like at fifteen, like you couldn't you couldn't really get a real job till you're sixteen. Um, uh, you were you were limited at fifteen. You were limited with what you could do. Yep, and I mean, not to say though that there aren't jobs available at a younger age. Um, it's just a little bit harder to find, but you know, when I was, when I was that age, <clears throat> the thought was, and the reason I got that job is cause I was like, well, here in a couple of years, I'm going to have to need to, I'm going to have a need to buy a car. So, you know, and at the age of 14, I'm not making, you know, I'm not making a killing and whenever it comes to, uh, money. So I've got to, I've got to start saving. Not to mention I had hobbies that were expensive, you know, you know, but me and uh, Tyler, uh, yeah, we would, we paintball. That's not a cheap hobby. <laughs> no. Well, growing up, you know, for me, uh, got a few years on you. Uh, just a few. <laughs> growing up, I wanted to, you know, we did a lot of camping, th- fishing, things like that, hunting, and I mm-hmm. wanted to be able to get those things that I could go, you know, hiking and hunting and fishing yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And again, I can't say it's necessarily a cheap hobby, but it wasn't really super expensive. Once yeah. you buy a tent, <clears throat> sleeping bag, fishing pole, things like that. Mm-hmm. Once you buy them, then it's not really that expensive. Yeah. But it took a little bit of money to get it. To get to the point, yeah. And uh, so... Our neighbor needed uh, his lawn mowed, so I asked if I yeah. could mow his lawn. What? So one thing led to another. Yeah. That neighbor wanted his mowed lawn mowed. I'm eight years old. Before you know it, you're running a business. We <clears throat> had, you know, within a summer, mm-hmm. I had pretty close to a dozen customers. Not m- me, myself, but my twin brother and I. Yeah. Uh, we had about a dozen customers, and we were bringing in pretty close to... 150 to 200 a week. I mean, yeah, that's good money for an eight year old. Oh, yeah, especially back in uh, wh- when was this? This was the 80 or 70s, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, 70s, it the 70s, yeah. yeah. So, that was good money for an eight year old. Oh, yeah, and so I was doing pretty good. My dad, mm-hmm. uh, because we were you know, for that whole summer, we would push the lawnmower and try to carry the weed eater. And the gas and everything, and we'd have to sometimes make two trips mm-hmm. uh, to make that happen. So, Dad noticed that uh, we had a need, so he built us this little trailer that kind of looked like a chariot. Uh-huh. Uh huh. On and we just 
hitched it up to the to bicycle. Bikes. Yeah. And we loaded the lawnmower up in uh to into it. By that time, we then were able to purchase a second lawnmower. Mm. And us so that we could get the jobs done faster. Business expansion. And so we just continued to add more things to it. And, you know, within the next summer, you know, we were up to around 15 customers uh, that we were taking care yeah. of every single week. And, and I we did so under the basic principle again. Uh, and I, I don't know that our dad taught us this per se but he kind of did mm -hmm. uh we'd go to the job sites with him from time to time he was in construction yeah and just a basic thing you see people working and you know they you start your job and you finish your job yeah and my dad was kind of like myself didn't take lunch yeah. uh so in my opinion you didn't stop until you came to a good stopping point mm-hmm when you're mowing lawns, do you stop in the middle of the job? No, that'd be no. weird. You finish the job first, and then you get a bite to eat between. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the way I, I've always been. I mean, yeah. You, and your your twin brother is uh he uh he's he's the one who owns a flooring company, right? Not anymore. Not uh, anymore. But he did. He did uh, until uh, rheumatoid arthritis kicked in so much that mm -hmm. uh, he couldn't even well. Put it this way, when he was laying uh tax strip for yeah. carpet, yeah. you had to be down on your hands and knees. Yeah. Well, he couldn't be on his knees. Yeah, it's a rough job. So what did he do? He laid on his stomach and oh, did yeah. it. Yeah. And when he would frequently, when he would arrive at a job, uh, he'd arrive at the customer's house. He can barely walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and walking like a 90-year-old man. Yeah. Maybe not that old, but old. And uh, so he'd be talking to the customer about what was going to be done. And then pretty soon they'd be asking him, so when's the installer going to get here? And it's like, I am the installer. They're uh, looking at him like, you're, really, you're, you're the, the installer. You're, the <laughs> you well, you know, you're my, not physically able to be the installer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've been doing this quite a while. My, I mean, that's my point is that, you know, these principles that that are lost i think on today's society like that's what that's what built that's why i think honestly we had such a big uh big giant um a group of small business owners entrepreneurs from the generations of the baby boomers um because um because it was just like there's a built-in like if you if you know work ethic and you know like you don't there's there's plenty of skills that are necessary as a business owner, but by and large, honestly, if you know a few basic principles, like if you can provide a good service at a good price and you have good work ethic, your business will be successful. Like that is just almost... It's a guarantee. It's almost a guarantee. Part. Now, the only drawback behind that is so many of the people <laughs> that get into business, uh, they start out with the same mentality well i need to beat them on price yeah where if you're going to start a business just you know general rule of thumb and i was told this as well you don't beat your customer you beat your uh competitors on price you beat them on quality yeah and that's easier that's especially today that is far easier to control 
is the quality. Because I've said this a lot. I've said that um, in order to be outstanding in your field, you just have to be better than your, and to be better than your competition does not require you to be <clears throat> necessarily the best in the world. If you were just, if you just put in 10, you know, like 10, like 10% above mediocre effort, then you look like you are just a stud because mm -hmm. these days, um, your competition is not very fierce whenever it comes to quality of service or products. Um, like for instance, um, these uh, these sunglasses that I have right here, these Shady Rays, um, and again, I'm not sponsored by Shady Rays, but they're comfortable, they look good, the lenses are good, and I, I typically like don't like <clears throat> don't like like if I wear cheap sunglasses, like they give me headaches, um, and that's typically because a lot of times like they use inferior plastics for the lenses. Um, and so like, they're not perfectly clear. And so they, they, you know, when, like for, with my eyes, for whatever reason, they give me problems, but they feel they're, they're great. They're phenomenal sunglasses and they cost 48 bucks and like their expensive sunglasses are 68 bucks. So in a world right now where you to buy high quality sunglasses, realistically, you're looking at like 200 bucks a pair. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you buy a pair of Oakley's or a pair of Ray-Bans, like a cheap pair is like 200 bucks. And they're not really doing anything that is so unbelievably outrageous. Um, like they're 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 just creating a good quality product, um, right. and and their and, and their price point, their competition, is relatively garbage. You know, yep. so they're just creating a product. They're just you doing something that is good. Like it's something they'd want to put. You know, they they you they'd want to wear themselves. And it's the same thing. Like, you don't have to necessarily... Now, it is always great to be, like, the best at what you do. Like, just to be, you know, outstanding. Like, no one can touch you in in the quality of service or product that you provide. Um, however, realistically, the bar is set very low to, 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 to be good. Like, for instance, in your field, in your industry, the customer service aspect of your industry, like, you guys honestly... Um, it is so easy to be better than your competition because the customer service in your competition is abysmal. Well, it's they don't, uh, like, and you, I'd say you're probably in just about every type of service industry that I've, people I've talked to, uh, -huh. uh, virtually every service type industry, you got a couple things you have to do. Uh, well, number one, you need to be available. Yep. Available means... Answer your phone call. Answer your phone. Yeah. Uh, if you answer your phone, then whatever the situation may be or trouble you may have or issue they may have, then you usually can resolve that over the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be, you know, scheduling a time to make sure you're available to come out and take care of it. Yeah. Uh, or discuss it with them and find out that the customer, you know, is customer error. Yeah. Uh Pretty basic. Now, the other thing is just kind of be on time. Yeah. Well, and I've I've experienced it like from the customer aspect of it. Um, I've experienced it where like, you know, I'm like I'm you you're in the situation where you're like, man, I'm trying to give you money. Why won't you answer your phone and do this? Like I, um, for instance, <coughs> pardon me. 
Um, <clears throat> for instance, I've got this house I'm buying, um, and 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 I'm trying trying to get a hold of an HVAC guy. Trying to get a hold of an HVAC guy in the middle of summer is apparently just this impossible task. It's impossible, and, regardless of where it is, what time yeah, it is. Yeah. Most of them, unless you go to the, well, and the problem is, is that in and now now I have a really good HVAC guy that I can get a hold of just about any time. Problem is, he doesn't service that area. It's outside of the service area. Uh, banker, I can get a hold of him just about any time. Um, and and I've honestly, he's never once been like he's been a customer of mine. I've never been his customer. So realistically. He doesn't really have a whole lot of motivation to answer the phone call when he sees my number come across his phone. <clears throat> right. I've never made him any money, with the exception of I've sent him referrals and stuff. But, but um, he'll answer his phone, and that's what that's to me. And his prices—he's not the cheapest, um, but he's the best to me. He's good at he he offers great service, and he answers his stinking phone. So he recommended me to a guy that he knew. Um, uh, and that guy was kind of hard to get a hold of. I finally got a hold of him, and he, you know, he came out, looked at my, looked at the AC at the new house. He actually fixed it real quick. Great, great job. Um, but then it took me uh, over a month to pay him, not because I wasn't willing to pay him, but because I couldn't get a hold of him to find out how to pay him. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and that that's an example right there of, of somebody that may be. You know, maybe good at what they do, uh, but they're going to struggle in time yeah. because. I mean, he was good at what he did. He was pl- he was he was pleasant to deal with. Like honestly, I would love to use him again um, at at any given point in time if I can. You know, if I if I can c- consistently get a hold of him, that would be great. Um, so you know, that's it's it's real basic things. People all the time will talk to me, and and I get this. I get this from people who have no idea about running businesses. People all the time ask me, like, so what does it take to you know start a business? And I'm like, honestly, it's a lot of hard work. But the reality is, it's all basic stuff. If you are just you, there's these you follow these basic principles, and you'll be good. Offer a good product and or service. At a good price, doesn't have to be the best price, just has to be a good price, just has to be worth what you're providing, and, um, and, and have good customer service. Like, th- this really it. And the bar is set really low to be better than your competition, so... It is, and even at the same time, say, I get even younger kids will, uh, you know, wanting to know about a job or whatever. Uh-huh. There's a couple things you have to do uh, as if you want a job uh, as a kid. Uh, do your job. Show up Show up on time is the first thing. If you show up on time on a regular basis, and yeah. when I say show up on time, especially if you're new, if you show up close to five to ten minutes early every day, uh, yeah. guaranteed you are already 30 to 50 percent uh, ahead yeah. Of your competition. I will take I will take an employee who shows up to work consistently fifteen minutes early who over someone who is better skilled but shows up thirty minutes late every time. Like I will take the guy who shows up early. Even if he's he may not be better than the guy who shows up thirty minutes late. 
um, as long as he is competent at his job and he shows up early, like that to me means a whole lot more than well, yeah. someone who's shown up late because it's basic principles. Like, yeah. you, you know, I, I don't need to be a grown man's alarm clock and wake you up in the morning type of a deal. We've only had one person that worked for us. I mean, this person uh, showed up on time. I mean, quite frequently, uh, he worked other jobs, uh, doing security at other places. And so he'd sometimes work overnight. Uh-huh. Uh, so I would arrive to the office, usually a little bit early. And mm-hmm. this is when I actually arrived on time. Uh, <laughs> I had to be there because everything, uh, I was in charge. Yeah. Uh, I'd get there, and quite frequently he'd be in his car asleep there at the <clears throat> there at the office, uh, waiting. Uh, yeah. So he'd probably get there two or three hours earlier, and just pull up and take, take a nap. A nap. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was always on time. He had one problem though. Yeah. Didn't have any idea how to follow instructions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so consequently. Though he was good work ethic, he was good at arriving on time. Yeah, but you tell him how to get from point A to point B, and usually got lost somewhere in between there and went to C and D before he got to <laughs> B. Yeah, and so, and this happened on a regular basis. Yeah, uh, so finally it came to the conclusion that you know you just can't follow instructions, mm-hmm. uh, and is the only person I was really disappointed to let go of because... Because of the work ethic. So that's he the had crazy. the work ethic to show up on time. That's so the crazy thing. Like, a work ethic goes a long ways. Like, you could almost be terrible at your job, and an employer is not going to be willing... Like, there, it'll be a tough decision for them to let you go if you are willing to show up on time and work, you know, do your job, even yeah. if you're bad at it. And he worked hard. Yeah. Uh, but I could never leave him by himself. Um, yeah, work ethic goes a long ways. It's not the only aspect that you need, but yeah. goodness gracious, that that to me is like 60, 70, probably even 80% of what I'm look what I would look for in an well, employee. You, you can't train somebody that doesn't show. Exactly. Uh so somebody has enough initiative to be able to show up yeah. and more than likely you can train that person. Yeah. There's rare, there's rare occasions where it's like impossible. It's like talking to a you know a a, a, a door you know. But well, the fellow we just uh, uh, hired, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's been with us for about three three months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, from the time that he started, and this past weekend he was able to take the class and get uh, pass the test. He'll be licensed by the end of the week. Uh huh. And you know, thing with him? No, he'd never been in this industry before. Uh, yeah. Done a little bit of uh, odds and ends. You know, he understood how to operate a drill and basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wasn't no rocket science, scientist mm-hmm. when it comes to just general work. But he always showed up on time, always had a good attitude, and always has had a good attitude. Yeah. And, you know... When it comes to learning things, he would take things home. He would learn things there. Yeah. That's the kind of employee that, you know, most of your tradesmen 
yeah. are looking for people, you know, who who whether have who you, you, realistically when it comes to trades, like what you're looking for in an employee is work ethic and a willing to learn. Like you don't have to be an expert in your field. A lot of people are willing to hire you and they're willing to train you. Oh yeah, these younger kids are saying, "Well, I I, I got to go to college." No, you don't. <clears throat> no. Uh, you're going to pay for your college one way or the other. Yeah. Whether you're going to pay for it where you're sitting in class, then when you get out of class, out of school, you finally graduated, now you got all this book smart, guess where you're going to start? You're going to start at the same place yeah. that the other individuals started as well uh, that didn't go to college. For the most part, you're going to start in the same location. So you can start a job, uh, not going to get paid top dollar in the beginning. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's your education. Keep in mind, you're not supposed to get paid top dollar because yeah. you haven't necessarily learned. Mm-hmm. But if you stay somewhere, you learn learn the trade, and that employer, in most cases, uh, if he has any character at all, and you should, as a, as an individual, you, you'll kind of know whether or yeah. not he has character uh, after you've been there there mm-hmm. for a few months if not maybe give it a year uh and if he doesn't see your work ethic and he give you a little bit of raises here and there then yeah it's time to move on but every job i've ever had prior to every every place i ever worked Mm -hmm. you know i always would work there for a period of time and before i knew it i was Kind of sort of the one in charge. Yeah. Uh, in short order. Uh, not because I'm great. I'm not. Yeah. That's I'm not the thing. super intelligent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's what, you know, that's been my experience is that <clears throat> everywhere I've worked, I'm not even necessarily, like a lot of times I've worked, I've worked most jobs I've worked. I've worked with little to no experience. Um, but I was always willing to learn and had a good work ethic. For instance, when I worked with you guys, I'd never worked a sales position in my entire life. But, and, and, and I didn't know the first thing about security systems. Uh, honestly, I, you know, it, it had never really been, like I didn't work in the industry at all, ever. But, um, you know, I had some advantages. I knew a thing or two about people. I knew a thing or two about, you know, having you know i have a natural gift for having conversation with people to you know and that's kind of beneficial when it comes to sales um but i had to learn the systems to be you know how you know i'd learn your security systems in order to sell them yeah um you know i can't sell a product that i know nothing about i had to learn the tactics of the industry and and you know what you got to do to to sell them but I was willing to learn, and I would still show up, you know, every day. And on top of that, um, you know, I would, we would, we'd do those, uh, which you guys don't do anymore, which is a great thing, those trade shows. I'd show up to the trade shows. I didn't make any money off of trade shows. Yeah. Um, in fact, the company, your company didn't make any money off of trade shows either. No. It was such a, it, it seemed like, in theory, it seemed like it was like, the thing to do, the way to go. I mean, every other security company does it. Well, in order to, and in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, and I probably am, uh, the other companies that do it and are successful, as far as I can tell, 
they are willing to say whatever they have to say. <clears throat> yeah. In order to get the sale. Yeah. And, and that's that's the that was the fine line that was difficult to 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 work with is that like and that's what that's where I you know I could have I could have sold far more systems if I was willing to be uh, less than honest. Um, but the problem is is that not only was I not willing to be less than honest, but it's also not the company's you know it's not your company's principles. Right. To to do that, like it's there is there is a couple of sales tactics that I never used. One that I never used was the fear tactic. You know, when it comes to selling security systems, a lot of times you 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 if you get the customer um, or the mark, um, really is what it is. You get the mark afraid. We had this one guy. <clears throat> One time, I you know they call he called uh, for sales appointment. You might re- remember him. Uh, lived in East Tulsa. He'd been broken into like three different times in the past like week. Um, and I know Tyler remembers him, but um, he also had like someone uh, attempted to steal his wife's car um, while like they were like she had got home, uh, open like came came home had the garage door open, walked inside, like take groceries inside. And no, I think they did steal his wife's car. They, someone came by, stole his wife's car and left with the garage opener in the car and everything. And when I showed up to the sales appointment, uh, he was, he had, he was, he was just wired because he had been awake because he had he had slept barely anything and like he'd barely had any sleep in the last like four days because he was like every noise that was happening in his house he was waking he was paranoid for good reason because he had been he had his wife's car stolen and then like two or three attempted break-ins this guy Um, a hispanic fella uh yeah i think so yeah I bet you still have him as a customer to this day we do we do yeah so i go to you know i you know he he was he was willing to buy every product you had, you know. He he was ready, and he's like, and he's telling me, you know, I'm I'm telling, you know, I'm kind of giving him the rundown of what we're going to do security system wise, and and um, and he's like, well, you know, I want glass breaks here, I want I want contacts on all the windows. He's wanting to buy everything, right? And uh, and I could have, I could have easily sold him like everything that that every product that was available, he was willing to, to do it right then and there. And I said, look, how about this? Um, you don't need a contact on every window. Let's put a glass break in this room. That'll save you some money. Let's do the basic security system install. And if you feel un- like after you get this in and you've had time to like get a real night's sleep and you want more equipment and you can think about it at that point and then give us a call... And it would have been easy. In fact, he was even talking maybe, a, you know, a camera system. <clears throat> and I said, and I said, yes, well, we can, we can visit that. But let's, let's not do this on an emotional-based decision, especially when you, he's like, I had like zero sleep. Unfortunately about that fellow. Uh-huh. Uh, the funny thing about him, uh, we've had him for about six years now. Uh-huh. He forgot. Couldn't have been six years. It's, it's wow. It's probably been maybe four. About four years would it be about four or five years. All of that turmoil. Uh huh. He forgot. Oh yeah. He forgot that he went through at that uh, turmoil. 
Because when it came time to upgrade his cellular unit, uh huh, because technology changes, yeah, uh, he forgot how important that se- that security system was. So it took a little conversation to convince him. You know, we're gonna have to upgrade your cell cell unit. Well, how come? It's your system, <laughs> and you know you should be able to just do it. I mean, just do it. I mean. I don't understand what the problem is. I can explain to him. Now, on your cell phone that you have, that you carry around, you know, do you just keep the same fo- same cell phone you've had for the last four or five years? Mm-hmm. Well, no, because technolo- technology changed, yeah. right? And they gave you a new phone, right? Yeah. They just gave it to you. Yeah, you, you pay for it. Okay. And he said, <laughs> well, no, it's the same technology. Same exact scenario, uh, and it took me a little bit of helping him to understand yeah. what this was, mm-hmm. and then finally it's like, okay, yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll go well, ahead. That's kind of my point is that uh, you know that's actually you know that he he at, whenever he was in a moment of distress and paranoia, he was willing to buy everything you guys had in the inventory, yeah. and now after a few years of you know peace. And real night sleeps. He's he yeah. He and he's willing to you know he's willing to you know think about spending the money versus like I'm not kidding. Like he was like I know I he was ready to spend thousands of dollars. And the interesting and, thing about so much of our clientele, uh-huh. uh, we get a lot of customers that come to us because they're just sick and tired of every time they turn around every eight months their bill keeps going up yeah they're not their service isn't changing uh-huh. but their bill just keeps going up and up and up i mean every they look at their bill you know one month and it's 30 40 cents difference yeah and a few months later they look at their bill again or they look at their uh draft amount from their bank account and again it's 30 40 cents more and before they know it before the year is out their bill has gone up yeah. about a dollar. And I mean, honestly, a lot of the times whenever I was working for you guys, like the the main reason that people were switching, a lot of my sales appointments were they were fed up with the customer service of mm-hmm. the other company, which goes back mm-hmm. to the same basic principles that we've talked about. Good product or service, good price, uh, good customer service. You cannot, you cannot skimp on customer service and, and to be honest with you like i said like the bar is set very low to just provide good customer service and you know you don't have to bend over backwards for every single customer but just put you know if you just operate on this on the principle of treating your customers how you would want to be treated as a customer that alone is like it's worth it's worth the world oh yeah and and the amazing thing about that is uh those same people that we've had for years mm-hmm. uh, that they came to us because of the simple fact that one, their price uh, was going up and yet at the same time their service wasn't getting any better. Yeah. Uh, and so finally just came to the conclusion look, we need to find something different. Well, they come to us. And, you know, now because of the technology changing, Mm-hmm. We reach out to them, and we got to upgrade the cell unit. And the last time we did this, 
Whereas when the 2G... Uh, so 2G switched to 3G. Switched to 3G. <clears throat> now we're into 4G. Because weird thing is about security systems is they're basically... They're basically a generation behind cell, cell, which which makes sense because the reason is is that it has to be an established network. Right. When five G comes out, like you don't have five G everywhere, so because of that, four G is the standard now. And you know when four G came out, it wasn't everywhere, so cell, you know, cell technology and security systems was still three G. But the downside to that is that uh, that they when they start phasing out, like, because it, you know, when 5G becomes the new technology, 3G is not available anymore. So you have to yep. move to 4G. And what happens is, because people forget, uh, you know, we've had probably, we've lost probably seven or eight customers because of this one thing. Mm -hmm. We've never raised their rate, yeah. ever. Uh, and... So then when the technology changes, we reach out to them, say, look, if you have the protection plan, then the product itself, the cell unit, yeah. is at cost, mm -hmm. and that's $99. Yeah. $99? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's your equipment. Well, no, technology and... Also, it's their equipment. You know, cause you guys they don't, bought it. Yeah, you guys don't have... Uh, There's no uh, contract. Yeah, you guys don't have contracts. So... so go round and round it's like oh man you guys are just ripping me off yeah i'm you know i've and been there like, really uh have we that's ever raised a, a rate i think that's the thing that you know people you know I, and i've been there you know i've had customers who um you know they'll 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 scoff at you know they'll they'll, they'll be taking a gas to a specific part or you know job or whatever that i quote from them and they say i can't believe it i'm saying okay you know um I'm, you know, I have to explain to them. And I think part of the problem is when you are, when you do something in in a in a good way. For instance, um, you know, I don't I don't mark up my parts. The problem is, is I'm I'm really bad about this because I don't, you know, I don't like to toot my own horn so much. Um, I don't like I don't have like, you know, I'm not realistically what I should do is I should include in my in my invoices like what the parts would cost with literally anybody else and how much because people don't realize what they're saving a lot of the times with me and and what they don't understand is you know in a mechanic in the mechanic world in the mechanical industry with auto with auto repair you know 30 40 percent is a typical markup for parts and they just never you never see that on your mechanic bill um so you know they, they may say well you know you're 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 charging all this or whatever and it's going to cost this and then on top of that i have to deal with my competition you know especially when it comes to new customers they call me and they've never used me before typically with a lot of existing customers they kind of just trust and understand that i'm providing the best quality repair and best parts or best price available new customers call in and they say, well, the other guy quoted me this amount of money. And I'm like, well, <clears throat> the problem with that is, is I'm not like, I'm not going to over the phone without looking at your car. I'm not going to give you the cheapest possible quote. Cause I don't want to, I don't, they'll, they'll say anything to get you in the door. 
And then it's a it's a very typical sales tactic. You know, they'll say, "Oh yeah, the you know it's only going to be 150 bucks to fix whatever the problem is," without looking at your vehicle, which is completely you know ridiculous. And then you get it there, and by the time they've got it in their shop and they're taking it apart, they'll say, "Well, it turns out you also need this, this, and this, and it's going to be 400 dollars or 600 dollars or whatever." And at that point, you're kind of you know, at a loss because you either like you can you can either say okay and bite the bullet and give them the money, or uh, in order to not do that to get you know it's it's going to be more hassle than it's worth because at this point your car's already there, it's taken apart. You can tell them no, I don't want to spend that, but then you got to tow it away. And you're gonna um, have to pay for what we're. And you're gonna have do. to pay for what they've what they've done. Typically, a diagnostics charge of some kind. So. You almost, it's, it's a tactic. They get you in the door. They will give you, you know, if you say, hey, I need a radiator replaced on my vehicle. I'm going to quote you, um, if, if I quote you anything, which these days I've gotten away from trying to quote over the phone because the problem is, is I will, I, I would rather surprise someone with a cheaper bill than a more expensive bill. Right. So I usually was giving an estimate at worst case scenario, like, you know, and it would typically, and the reality is, is everyone else is giving an estimate at best case scenario. And so usually I build in a little extra cost because a lot of times, especially with larger jobs, there is going to be something else that's, you know, found that yep. might, that once you just get in there, and once I get it. in there, it's, there might be something else that's found. And so, um, I'd rather have a little bit of built in cost so that way someone's prepared you know, I say, you know, it might be, it's going to be 600 bucks to fix this. Um, I'd rather get into it, not have surprise costs added to it. <clears throat> Someone else though may say, yeah, I can do it for $400. And then when they get it and they, yeah, so, so you run into that, um, you know, a time or two and people do, you know, they'll forget that, um, you know, you're giving the best, you know, basically if, if you're doing your best, you know, providing the best service that you can at the best price that you can and give the best customer service, it's going to work out. You know, you, you know, more likely than not, 90 percent of, of the time, your business is going to do well. And I think it's I think it a lot of it. I think a lot of it comes down to um, when uh, we when talk about like why, like why people have a tough time you know figuring this out is i think a lot of it comes back boils back down to the fact that you know though you and i grew up in different generations we had the same we were doing the same things as kids you know you you were mowing lawns like i was i always had some form of income like i was always making money some way or another and um and it wasn't you know like uh what uh i don't know if you remember um back when we were teenagers um, not you and me, uh, back when I was a teenager, back when me and your children were teenagers, um, we had that ice storm, I think it was 07. Yep. Right. And we had this ice storm, tons of ice, tree limbs fell down everywhere. Power was out of like 80% of Tulsa for like weeks. Didn't you and Tyler on our street take care of a bunch of trees? It was actually me and Aaron and Brandon. Yeah. Tyler at that time was in college. I think, I think, I think he was gone then okay yeah i think he was gone i knew one of them yeah uh so what what you know what did we do school you know we didn't have any school it was winter time there's we didn't sit back and say oh well you know there's nothing to do tree limbs had fallen down everywhere if i'm not mistaken on that particular one uh aaron came to me and said uh 
wanted to know if uh, about uh, a chainsaw. Yes, because what had what had occurred was what had happened is, uh, you know, I saw an opportunity, and so I talked to uh, you know I talked to Aaron and and uh, and my brother, and I said, hey, look, all these tree limbs have fallen down. People's driveways are blocked. Let's get some chainsaws together. And uh, let's, you know, just chop up the trees. And so what we did, you know, w- you know, I started out, like I did it at first, it was just like I borrowed my grandfather's chainsaw. And I started doing it in their neighborhood. So then I called up Aaron and I said, hey, we can expand this. Uh, there's tons of opportunity here. So he talked to you about getting your chainsaw. And so we had, we literally had no, like we didn't have a tree service. You know, <laughs> we were teenagers. And out of literally nowhere, we come up with two chainsaws, you know, three workers. And so it was, it was us. We had a wagon that we've been pulling around the neighborhood and just chopping, you know, chopping up these tree branches. Because a lot of people, you know, sometimes their cars were blocked in. They couldn't yeah, leave. Just get it out of the way. And so we'd say, hey, you know, what do you want to, you know, we, we'll, we'll chop this tree up for you. And they'd say, you know, what what do you want to charge? And we'd say, well, you know, what do you think is a fair price? And we'd come to an agreement and start. I think that I think we made in like um, less than a week. I think it was like four days, five days of doing this. We made like three hundred bucks a piece. So like in less than a Pretty week, good. yeah, we had, we had we had started a tree service and made a thousand dollars in profit. That and, was one thing, even growing up. There in Montana, uh, mm-hmm. when, sure, I mowed lawns in the summertime, but uh, there in Montana, they get a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. So, what did I have in the in the wintertime? Shoveling driveways. We had a, our the clientele we already had doing lawns. Yeah. Then became our clientele with doing shoveling the driveways. Mm-hmm. And it snowed virtually sometimes... Every night, yeah. I mean, quite frequently, uh, yeah. At least once a, a week. So therefore, we would go shove. We'd get out of school, <clears throat> and a lot of times we would walk home from school. We'd mm-hmm. be able to see which driveways need to be uh, shoveled. We'd get home, you know, grab the shovels and go out and shovel the driveways. Yeah. Come home, you know, do whatever and. And that's the and the crazy thing is is like this isn't this isn't something that like your parents or my parents were requiring of us like whenever this you know ice storm hit in 07 like my parents didn't say you have to go out and start trimming trees um it was just something that i said well you know what else is there to do um there's an opportunity here we can make some money let's go do it um exactly i was i was working at the time i had a job but hey made it back because of uh because of my job um or because because of the ice storm, like my job, we weren't doing anything. I was working construction at the time. Typically, we were slow in the winter time, anyways. And then on top of that, um, we had this ice storm. We weren't nothing was happening. So I was like, I'm going to make some extra money here, and uh, and uh, so <clears throat> took him an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no. Uh, like your, it's not like your parents told you you have to go out and do it. It was something that you wanted to do, and I think that's lost on a lot of like a lot of today's generation. 
and and it and it, it really makes me upset to to like because I feel like I'm like goodness gracious what am I I'm like that old guy who sits back and says oh, kids these days like it's ridiculous for me to to have to think that way and I think like you know there what it is is um it's just a it's just a lost it seems to be that work ethic almost seems to be a lost art um and it's and it's and you know I so I I was taught it and then at some point or another like I didn't have to be coached into it anyway and like Aaron um whenever I called him to talk about like he didn't he didn't push back he didn't complain he didn't say no I don't want to go out and chop trees with you I told him I said look um I just did like 3 yards or th- you know 3 people's uh, uh trees and made like uh you know we we made like 200 bucks so do you want to you do we want to you know expand this operation you can see, you know does your dad have a chainsaw he says yes he does let me see if I can use it and if so then I'll come out and help you like it wasn't it, oh yeah Aaron major entrepreneur yeah uh, and so to you know to him like you didn't tell him hey you got to go out there with them and use this chainsaw he asked you if he could, you know, he, he was asking, he asked if he could borrow your chainsaw. And also like we did have kind of an edge on the market because like n- all the tree services were booked to the gills. Oh yeah. Um, you couldn't go buy a chainsaw if you wanted to, because they were all sold out at Walmart. So if you didn't own one, you couldn't even buy chains. Like we went to go, fortunately we already had enough bar oil, um, on hand and we had, a, we had chainsaw files cause we, we couldn't even buy chains. So we had to sharpen the chains old school way with a little file and we just sit there and sharpen the chains in between every tree job and go, and we were, we were making, we we're making decent money at, especially, you know, oh, a, yeah. a teenager, you know, especially, I think that at the time that would have made like Aaron and Brandon, like 14, 15 or something, make yeah, like 300 bucks in a few days. The interesting <clears throat> thing about that is <clears throat> during the weather and weather is not when it comes to snow and what have you uh-huh. here in Oklahoma and or arkansas yeah is not that big a deal no no uh, generally not no so when i when we first moved to tulsa uh aaron's probably six maybe seven eight mm-hmm. uh maybe tyler i don't think was any more than 10 uh yeah i can't remember but we get here and uh i'm at the office i was working at adt at the time and i heard that we were going to have this big snowstorm yeah. Uh, yeah. So I finished up at the office. I ran the place, so I was able to get everybody out the door. And so all I did was uh, call my wife up and tell her, you know what? Go get some shovels uh, for the kids, mm-hmm. and I'll be home here in about uh, a couple hours. And says, why am I going to go get shovels? It's going to snow, and it's going to dump. It's going to dump a lot of snow. And said so, and so the kids need to uh, gather some funds for camp. So I'll come home when the snow yeah. starts coming down. Then I'll just go out with the kids and we'll shovel driveways for free, and you know people will donate to us. Yeah, because we've shoveled their driveways. Yeah, is really that'll work? Says, oh, it works. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. we paid for their camp. A lot of the times, whenever and I would a day, 
A lot of t- <laughs> yeah. A lot of times whenever I would do these, you know, these little money-making schemes, I call it, realistically, they were just, you know, um, I'd go out and do some work of some kind. A lot of times I would have no agreed upon price. I would just go and say, you know, uh, I'll just do it. And whatever you feel you want to pay me, you pay me. A lot of times I'd make more money than I was asking anyways. Oh, how we did it, it was real simple. Uh, and didn't have to do very much. We just yeah. went from door to door. So mm-hmm. uh, it was Tyler, Liette. Aaron was pretty, he was a little too little yeah. to be helping. And Kaylin was just walking around helping. I mean, just smiling. Yeah. Uh, playing in the snow. And... So I would start shoveling the driveway mm-hmm. and everything, and then pretty soon, about uh, we'd get about halfway done, and then I'd send one of the kids up to tell the cust- tell the person that we were shoveling their driveway, and you know if if it was okay for us to shovel the driveway, and when they did so, well, what what would you want us to pay you for this? And it says it's whatever you choose. Yeah, and then so some of what pay five dollars some would give us hot chocolate some would uh, give us twenty dollars yeah and when um, we'd get halfway done and after they did that then the kids would finish that one uh and i'd move on to the next next one one. yeah and we'd be about halfway done and again same thing the kids Mm -hmm. would go up to the door and as soon as the kids went to the door then they did their thing and they finished it off and i'd move to the next one yeah Oh, they made a few hundred bucks. Yeah, uh, we, um, when I was, uh, you know, every single summer I was doing something from probably since I was like eight years old, seven or eight years old, I'd be doing something, uh, whether it be, um, I would, uh, um, I would get some cleaning supplies and go around and offer to wash people's cars. Um, where one year, uh, me and my brother and my cousin, um, got some stencils and some spray paint and walked around and we were uh, uh, spray painting the uh, street addresses on people's curbs. And um, we'd, we'd say, hey, you know, do you mind if we, you know, touch up your, your, because we'd find a neighborhood that had, it hadn't been done in years and was faded. And we'd say, we're, we're spray painting street addresses. And they'd say, well, how much? And say, well, you know, we'll do it for, uh, we, we'll just do it. And if you feel like you want to pay us something, you can pay us something. And uh, we had a goal we wanted to make, you know, five bucks per uh, five bucks per street address we we spray painted. Um, but oftentimes people pay us ten dollars, fifteen dollars, twenty dollars, or whatever if we left it up to them. And these were, you know, so I mean, I always had some type of money because I had uh, I had a work ethic, and um, and I think and and it's. I think that is kind of lost on a lot of, you know, kids these days, and it seems ridiculous as young as I am to be talking like kids these days and saying, oh, I can't believe this, but it is, it's kind of the case. And I think, um, uh, I think, you know, things are just handed to people a little bit too easily. And if they, you know, for instance, like, um, you know, I had some friends growing up that uh, whenever we we would go paintballing, right? Uh, we had paintball was a hobby of ours. That's really mostly how um, how I spent a lot of time with your kids, with Tyler and Aaron. Most of the time was paintballing. That was an expensive hobby, right. um, and it cost money. And like, but you weren't paying for it, <laughs> you know. That, um, that's one thing that uh, all of my kids, 
if you want to want to do something, uh, then you're going to have to do it on your own. Yeah. Well, uh, that's how, like, um, so, like, my kids, and I think a lot of it, um, you know, if you give some, if you give a, um, if you give someone, if you give the kids a reason to want to make money, then they're going to go do it, right? Like, my kids like fishing, and I found, I found the, I found the trigger for them to want to earn money, and they, you know, fishing requires, you got to buy lures, um, you know, especially bass fishing, and these days, you know, a lure costs five, six bucks a piece. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's all that, you know, they, they want to buy fishing gear. And so because of that, they're interested in earning money. And, um, <clears throat> and so when it with me as a teenager, it was paintballing. Um, and you know, it wasn't something that like my parents orchestrated or anything. It's just my parents weren't going to pay for it. And, um, and if I wanted to buy paintballs or fill up the CO2 tanks or whatever, it buy gear, I had to earn that money, right? Uh, one way or another. And I feel like if you're just giving your kids stuff, you just give it to them. And I, there's nothing wrong with giving your kids things, but they're, but they don't understand the value. Yes. A value, the value of a dollar. And that's like my kids, uh, um, they, they understand they're they're learning the value of a dollar with this with like fishing gear, you know they they'll um, <clears throat> they'll see a lure in the store and so like um, uh, Matthew and Noah they get paid um, they get paid very little they they get paid terrible wages they get paid eight bucks a month for their chores that they're doing to take care of the animals and go out feed the animals uh, Matthew is responsible for the rabbits Noah is responsible for the chickens they feed them they give them water. And the eight dollars that they get per month. So you know, we go to the store and they see a lure that's like an eight dollar lure, right? Eight or nine dollars. And and Matthew says, he sees that he's like eight bucks. He's like, that's a month worth of work, <laughs> you know. And but he but knows he, he knows the value of that. It's not just eight dollars because that's a foreign concept to a kid. You know, eight bucks. That doesn't mean anything to them unless they understand what it takes to get that eight dollars. Well, the funny thing is, we were we took uh, <clears throat> one of our grandsons out mm-hmm. to lunch uh, Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. and uh, we went to the steakhouse. And I mean, the meal I think was fifty six dollars. Uh huh. And uh, so I, I mean, he's five. Mm-hmm. And Killian's five. Four, five? He'd have to be four. He's like a year younger than my twins. Amazed me what he did here. Uh, and he saw that, you know, the we were taking care of the ticket. Uh-huh. And he's like, what is that? And says, how much was lunch? I mean, how a four-year-old asking how much is lunch? Mm-hmm. I mean, the cost of it. Yeah. And it's like, wow, can't believe he's even asking this question. And uh, so then he sees me writing on the ticket and says, why do you have to do that, Pops? And I was figuring out the tip. Uh-huh. And so I says, you have to give the wait- waiter or waitress a tip. Says, a tip? And he nods his head like, what's that? And says, well, waitresses and waiters, they have to get... Uh, a tip for what they do that's serving bringing the food to the table mm-hmm. and so you have to tip them and you know 
because that's how they get paid. Oh. So I write down and says, and then another ridiculous question as far as I was concerned. So how much is a tip? Mm-hmm. A four-year-old. <clears throat> yeah. And uh says, well, you know, it needs to be close to 20%. So, and of course he didn't know what 20% was. Yeah. Uh, in this case, it's $11.50. And, uh, oh, okay. But four years old, he got this general idea of what a tip was. Yeah. Uh, and he grasped it. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think that's uh, something that's just in general, it's kind of lost on, on today's generation. Um, there is just, uh, the, the, the concept of the value of a dollar. Um, and, uh, I'd actually have, I actually have a little bit to, to say on that, but, um, we do need to take a short break real quick and come back for just a short while before we wrap this thing up. So let's take a break, hear a word from our sponsor, and we will be right back. All right, and we're back. So, value of a dollar, um, that does bring me to one uh, topic, is I feel like the idea, um, this, is, this is where people don't understand economics too much, so is whenever we talk about raising minimum wage. So oh, yeah. What happens with, you know, if you understand the value of a dollar, then you understand that minimum wage, you raise it, it, it hurts the value of a dollar. Now, there's not a direct correlation with inflation and uh, like an exact, like it's, so if you raise, you know, if you raise minimum wage, you know, let's say it's seven bucks an hour, you raise it to 15 bucks an hour, that's, you know, nearly, or that's uh, over a 100% increase. It does not, you you don't have inflation at the rate of 100%, but you do have some inflation involved with that. And the the reality is, so for instance, when my kids see an $8 lure and they know they get paid eight bucks for a month's worth of uh, chores, they see that and say that is that is a month's worth of work to get that lure. Now, the you know when it comes to hourly wage, you know seven bucks an hour, um, you raise minimum wage to fifteen bucks an hour. Let's just take an extreme example. An hour is still an hour, one way or another. The only difference is is now instead you're getting paid fifteen bucks for that hour, <clears throat> but the same amount of work gets accomplished in the hour. It's not like you've doubled the amount of productivity because you're making twice as much. So it decreases the value of that dollar. In a, um, I guess a more illustrated example of that would be when I was working construction, I started out making $5.50 an hour because that was minimum wage. Now I'd worked my tail off for six months, proved myself to my boss, and he gave me a dollar an hour raise. I got paid $6.50 an hour. Now that was a huge boost uh, to me you know dollar an hour raise that's a lot yeah, it is. but a few months later minimum wage went from 550 an hour to six bucks an hour so at one point so you know for a few months i was making a dollar an hour more than minimum wage which meant that me an experienced individual had a little bit of skill granted i was not like some master carpenter or anything um but i had experience and i was you know if he hired a day laborer then he'd have to pay them at least six bucks an hour. Right. So I was where I was making a dollar an hour more than minimum wage. I'm now only making 50 cents more. 
I'd been work. I worked my tail off to get to that point, and now this guy who has zero experience just comes up to show up and you know shovel some dirt or whatever uh, is now making barely less than me, and has zero experience and didn't. T- it didn't take him six months to get to that point right. where I'm at. He just shows up and there he is. So it decreases that that value. So like minimum wage increases help those in the short term for those who are making minimum wage. But realistically, what happens when eventually you price yourself out of a job, when minimum wage increases, it doesn't benefit the minimum wage laborer because what eventually happens is if you price yourself out of, you know, out of the, out of the market, it, it eventually is just going to eliminate those jobs altogether. Like if you owned a chain of McDonald's, you, you're a franchise owner of McDonald's, and they raise minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. Are you going to be paying people 15 bucks an hour to flip burgers? No. What you're going to do, especially, you know, let's say you're given the, you know, you're given the option. Let me catch this. So, I mean, so with the, uh, with the value of the dollar, with the, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you raise that, if you raise that wage, if you're given the option to replace an employee, for instance, um, cash registers, you know, cashiers, um, you take those, there, there's a reason why they're self-checkout machines. That's why. Because Walmart doesn't want to pay. Um, Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, <clears throat> any of them. They don't want to pay minimum wage for something a machine can do. So what happens is you don't really benefit the low, the entry, the low wage worker. What happens is you price them out of a entry position. And that's, that's the reality is with these minimum wage jobs is they're entry level positions. And the problem is when you increase minimum wage to a certain point, you remove entry level positions and it becomes really hard to build a career because you can't just go straight to, you know, above minimum wage. You have to, you have to, it, it always is beneficial to start somewhere you know, start out making minimum wage. And then you have work history. So um, so I think that that value of a dollar ends up getting lost on people, and it's basic economics, honestly. It's very basic economics. The reality is, is the clock hasn't changed. Well, and also... An hour is still 60 minutes. But now that 60 minutes, instead of being 7 bucks, it's 15 bucks. And this is, again, coming from... This is coming from a guy who doesn't pay minimum wage. You know, I, I, I don't pay minimum I pay nowhere near minimum wage. I, in, in, in my state, I start out, my lowest skilled workers, my entry-level position in, in my job field pays twice that of minimum wage. Same with you guys. You, you don't have really, you know... Uh, uh, what is minimum wage now? I think it's seven twenty-five an hour. I think so this is, it, I'm pretty sure it's around, it's seven something. I think it's seven twenty-five, and this, you know, that's, that just kind of illustrates how little I know about what the minimum wage is because of the fact I don't pay anywhere near it. Like, well, like, uh, here in the office, you start out at 10 bucks an hour. Yeah. Uh, if you're a technician, you start out at 13. Yeah. And once you get licensed, then you bump to 17. Yeah. Uh, here in the office... Not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and that's the 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 myth is is that if you don't have minimum wage, then employers are going to take advantage of employees, and they're just going to pay. The reality is, you can make minimum wage two bucks an hour. Would you pay anyone two dollars an hour? No. no. Would I pay anyone two dollars an hour? No. You know why? For for a couple of reasons. If One, you want people to stick around, yeah. you're gonna have to pay them a little bit more. <laughs> you're not going to be able to get anyone to work for you. It's not rocket science. No. 
Um, like uh, our main secretary outside of Liat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's really close to 15 an hour now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one we just hired, uh, she's at 10. And as you begin to learn the systems, uh, we basically have four to five different systems yeah. that you got to learn. And uh, I mean, not I- only that, I mean, how, how many offices do you get into where the secretary is sitting at a monitoring station... A computer station like that with four yeah. different monitors. Not not many. You don't. I mean, not like it's not like they can take it home or anything. But yeah, uh, when you sit behind a monitoring station or a computer station like that, it kind of make I would think it would make you feel like, wow, I got something that. Uh, yeah, you provide them. You know, you're providing them with good equipment. And yeah, that's good equipment, and you know, and like for example. We are now looking at, because uh, our uh, other technician, uh, right now he's getting twenty mm-hmm. one fifteen an hour. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we are in a situation where our vans, because they've run as long as they've run. Yeah. Trust me, I'm aware what, of how long you've run. 300 and, uh, I think the van is at what, 320 over, now? Yeah, over 300,000. Uh, and we have another technician, so... It's time to purchase another vehicle. Yeah. And, you know, granted, I and the vehicles I've been looking at, you know, you're the maintenance guy. Yeah. You know, uh, I've looked at all of the vehicles and that I'd like to get, and none of them have a very good uh, history when it comes to uh, maintenance. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I want a vehicle that... The guys can, comfortable to work out of. They can work out of. They can keep all of their equipment in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in weather like this, you get out there to do a job or whatever. And you got to do some prep. Uh, can you do it out in the weather? Or can you potentially do it inside of a vehicle? Yeah. And that be in out of the weather. Yeah. That's why I like that I high think, top van. I think people get this misconception that if left if left unchecked, businesses are just going to mistreat their employees. And I don't think that's the case at all. The free market decides that pretty easily. If you mistreat your employees, they're not going to want to work for you. So the reality is, is minimum wage doesn't need to exist at all. I think there should be no minimum wage. And, and, and people think it's going to be the Wild West and Walmart's going to take advantage of people and only pay them two bucks an hour. That's not the case. No way. No, because you know what's going to happen? No one's going to work for them. And then they've got to they've got to raise their wages to a competitive market and be competitive in that. And you see that, you know, with in cases like Walmart. Walmart pays their employees here in Oklahoma, well above minimum wage. And the reason that they do that is because it is a competitive wage. Walmart doesn't pay it. So you have states that have low min- lower minimum wages like us, seven twenty-five an hour versus like Maryland that's like close to 15 or 13 an hour or something like that. Walmart, yeah, but the cost of living there is quite a bit higher. It's higher, yeah. Now, and, and that's, so, that's the funny thing is you mentioned minimum wage. Uh, in states that have higher minimum wage, cost of living is higher. And people think that, oh, no, that's, you know, minimum wage is higher because of cost of living. I think, honestly, cost of living is higher because of minimum wage. Uh, because, for instance, it doesn't matter 
um, you know, what, what, you know, someone has to pay for it. So the end result is the consumer is paying for it. You know, McDonald's, it doesn't, they, they can't, if they have to pay someone 13 bucks an hour, they can't, they can't charge the same as if they're paying someone eight, nine bucks an hour. Well, they still have to, they exactly. have profit margins to make. The funny part about that, as you mentioned, minimum wage, it hit me. <clears throat> I don't even know what it is. Because yeah, you don't pay in it. the 11 years I've been in business. Uh, I probably have asked that question before. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to make sure I was above it. Yeah. But you don't pay anywhere near it. But I didn't know what it was. And, that's, and I forgot because it's been so long yeah. that we. The vast majority. Even considered that. Yeah. The, My first thought was we need to hire somebody that we are going to take time and invest all this money in training them. Yeah. We better make it to where they're getting paid well enough. Now. Yeah. Also, the interesting thing about that is when I was actually working for a company that got paid by the hour, uh-huh. uh, I was getting paid, and though I had the ability to do f- over and above what the technicians are today doing, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting paid that. No. Yeah, and you weren't getting you weren't getting paid twenty one bucks an hour. No way. <laughs> and this and this is back in the day when you had to run wires for everything. Yeah, it was a lot harder to do. Yeah. Nowadays, with the systems you've got now, you have to run one wire. Power one wire. wire. And that, that's what kind of blows my mind. I, I look at that and I'm going, man, is that fair? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, not it, really. But at the same time, you're yeah. not going to keep anybody if you don't. No, yeah, you can't pay someone like so. When like my dad started working, when um, you know, he was you know putting my mom through nursing school and you know supporting my mom and me and my brother. He was working at Warehouse Market back in the early '90s, making four dollars twenty-five cents an hour, and that seems like an absurd concept now. Because there's absolutely no way you could support a wife, two kids, while putting a wife through nursing school at four twenty-five an hour. You can't do that. It's no. it's impossible. I know. I tried to do it at uh, two dollars and five cents an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. With uh, two kids and a wife and going yeah. to college and <laughs> yeah, it's not possible. And the and the reason you know the reason is nowadays is because the uh, you know it's not because inflation and it, I mean it sort of is, but you know. Inflation exists in part because of, you know, raising these minimum wages. And the reality is, is, you know, there's multiple factors. I'm not an economist, but I do know like many, many things. The whole system, financially speaking, is designed to keep you in debt. And so that's why cars cost more, houses cost more because, you know, and that's why financing is easier to get today than it was 20, 30 years ago. But the, but, you know, when when you when you boil it down to like the minimum wage like again people are under this misconception that businesses are just going to take advantage and, and you know i i'll say well, i wouldn't pay someone minimum wage they oh well you're a small business you care about your employees and i'm like well here's the deal is even big giant corporations whether or not they care about their employees in the sense that they want to make sure that they may not care about their employees but i can tell you one thing every business has in common is they do care about making money and you cannot make money if you don't have workers. And if you and if you pay if you don't treat your workers right, they're you know, for instance, um, uh, again Walmart, they don't pay minimum wage here um, because minimum your minimum wage is seven twenty five an hour. They typically are starting their workers out above minimum wage. I don't um, know what I don't have no idea what they pay. 
I think they're starting them around like eight or nine bucks an hour, which is above minimum wage. Um, you know, and that's entry level positions. Um, right. And, and again, like, you know, you raise that minimum wage to a point where, cause here's the reality is if you, if you told me that minimum wage is 20 bucks an hour, you know what I would do? I wouldn't start paying 20 bucks an hour for my entry level positions. I would just eliminate my entry level positions and re- require higher skilled workers to come. I wouldn't have mechanic assistance because you know, right now minimum wage is seven twenty five an hour. I start someone who's like a teenager who comes on and has worked, you know, I've had, I've had, you know, guys work for me, uh, 16, 17, 18 years old that come start with me as mechanic assistants. They have zero skill in the industry. They know nothing about cars. As long as I can teach them what tools are and what to hand me, I will hire them and they will start making 10 bucks an hour. Um, which is, you know, and, and the reality is because, uh, if I paid minimum wage, there's absolutely no way I could keep someone working with me to go work in the summer heat, go work in the winter cold at seven bucks an hour. I think to me, what that position is worth is it is worth $10 an hour. Um, because you have, there's, there's, there's work involved. You're going to sweat, you're going to get cold and you're going to, so you're going to get compensated for that. Or you can go to Mickey D's and flip burgers for what? Exactly. Nine, $10. Yeah. So like, that's the thing is I have to, to fill my positions. I have to pay competitively because if my job is harder than flipping burgers, so like my, my starting positions are harder than flipping burgers. So I have to pay more than that. I can't have them go down the street and go work at McDonald's for an easier job. And that's the thing. That's just how it's going to work out. That's what you're going to compete with. So that's, therefore you have to meet this. Exactly. You got to meet it. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you want to keep people. Now that's the thing with most of your employers. Uh, you know, depending on the degree of difficulty. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's frustrating to train somebody to get to the point where they're an asset mm-hmm. and then have them get up and leave. Yeah. Because now they can get what you're paying them uh, the same amount and it's not going to be as difficult. Yeah. Uh, and, and for and us, we're out in the weather too. Yeah. Not all the time, but some of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well even when there's not you know tough weather sometimes you guys are in a grow up that's like 20 30 degrees warmer inside than it's outside um there's there's a degree of difficulty involved in it especially in the service industries i can guarantee you there's there's going to be very few service industries that are paying minimum wage now occasionally you'll have like in the construction trades you'll have someone your day laborers come in and get paid minimum wage but these days that's kind of gone. I don't think that happens, really. No. You know, I mean, not unless you're like some young kid. And, and to be honest with you, I'm glad that I got paid minimum wage. Not necessarily I'm glad that I got paid it. I'm glad that that position existed. Because if minimum wage, when I was a teenager, was 15 bucks an hour, I would not have got a job. I wouldn't. There, there's no way that my boss would have taken a 14-year-old who knows who knows nothing about the construction trades and put him to work for fourteen or for fifteen bucks an hour. Um, he paid me five fifty an hour. And to be honest with you, when I first started with him, I wasn't even worth that. <laughs> you know. Um, it, so yeah, it, it, because because of the 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 minimum wage is low enough, that position existed for me to go learn a trade and learn work ethic and learn like that was my first real job. Uh, and I would have never, I would have never had that opportunity if minimum wage was 15 bucks an hour because he wasn't going to, why would he hire a 14 year old 
when he could hire. By the way, I had no car. Even if I had a car, I didn't have a license. I was 14. So why would he hire someone at 15 bucks an hour when he can go hire the next guy who's got a car and can get a ride to work? So not only was I, you know, not only did he hire me, but frequently he would pick me up to take me to the job site. He would frequently take me home and figure it like those were things that he would not have done if, if the, if the position required, if the law required him to pay 15 bucks an hour. So it eliminates those jobs, those entry-level positions. Did he not buy lunch with you for you most of the time? I mean, pretty frequently. Sometimes. Um, he, would, he would buy me lunch, and he would, and he, you know, we always had a, a, a cooler full of Gatorade. We always, like, the, those those things were, and, and when I first started, I also had no tools. I had zero tools, so I used his tools to do the work, you know, it wasn't until I'd, you know, over the course of time, and this is why I got a pay raise, because he saw that not only was I learning, but I was also putting money into it because I was buying my own tools and got to where the point where I had a tool set. And so he said, hey, look, I've seen that you've bought this cordless set. You have hand tools. You have a tool belt. I'm going to give you a raise to, like, I didn't ask for a raise. He he offered it to me because he saw that I was putting that into it. These I saw the initiative. Yeah, these these things, um, th- this would not have been at all possible if minimum wage was, you know, that high. So um, this is actually not at all the topic I was intending on talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of rambled right into, into it. it. But Bob we're... Off University. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what it started with. So, um, but we have been going for quite some time now. So I will say that, one, you've got you've to get out of here to... Uh, catch a nap um if, yeah. if you've even got the time now so we're going to wrap this up we will uh we will be back the next week and um we'll see you all or well we won't see any of you honestly but you'll hear our you'll hear our voices again and maybe tyler will be here next week um it, it, and i would like to point out it's not his fault that he's not here this week it's kind of my fault um we're recording on a different day and he's out of town right now so um uh, we will uh, we'll be back next week with the Making Jobs podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we're out.